Welcome back to our study of 1 Kings. We are in 1 Kings chapter 15. This week we'll start in verse 25 and go through chapter 16, verse 7. And we're going to see this time how the judgment that God threatened, or promised really, against Jeroboam's house is now going to fall upon his house in the days of Nadab and Basha. So let's begin in verse uh, 25 of 1 Kings chapter 15. As Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, began to reign over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and he reigned over Israel two years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of his father, and in his sin, which he made Israel to sin. So back in chapter 14 and verse 20, we were told um, that upon Jeroboam's death, that Nadab would reign in his place. First uh, Kings fourteen twenty says, "In the time that Jeroboam reigned was twenty two years, and he slept with his fathers, and Nadab his son reigned in his place." But since then, we've been reading about the kings of Judah, and so now we come back to the kings of Israel. So this is picking up right after the death of Jeroboam, the story of the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, and so Nadab who is Jeroboam's son, he takes over to reign in Israel. This is during the second year of the reign of Asa, who we've just been reading about uh, a little bit earlier in chapter 15. And uh, Nadab reigned over Israel for only two years. And then verse 26 says that Nadab walked in Jeroboam's sins. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, it says, and walked in the way of his father, and in his sin which he made Israel to sin. In other words, he continued Jeroboam's idolatry. Remember, the main facet of that was the two golden calves that Jeroboam made, one in Dan, one in Beersheba, that he caused the people of Israel to worship and thus to sin against God and provoke him to jealousy. So um, Nadab is no better than Jeroboam. He walks in the same sins as Jeroboam. So um, we can imagine that things are not going to go well for Nadab. Verse 27 says, uh, Basha, or Baasha, however you want to say it, the son of Ahijah of the house of Issachar conspired against him. And Basha struck him down at Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. For Nadab and all Israel were laying siege to Gibbethon. So Basha killed him in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. And as soon as he was king, he killed all the house of Jeroboam, He left to the house of Jeroboam not one that breathed until he had destroyed it, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. It was for the sins of Jeroboam that he sinned, and that he made Israel to sin, and because of the anger to which he provoked the Lord, the God of Israel. So the first thing that happens here in verse 27 is that Basha assassinates Nadab. Right? He conspires against him, and he kills him. Um, it says here that Basha is the son of Ahijah, and you might remember that Ahijah was also the name of the prophet who told Jeroboam uh, that he was going to become king and so on. But this is probably not the same Ahijah, because Ahijah the prophet is from Shiloh, which is in Ephraim, and um, this Ahijah is from Issachar, so probably not the same uh, same Ahijah. Uh, so, but anyway, Basha. Kills, uh, excuse me, kills Nadab, and 
takes over as king. He reigns in his place, verse 28. Killed him in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. Then the next thing that Basha does is in fulfillment of uh, the word of the Lord. Verse 29 says, As soon as he was king, he killed all the house of Jeroboam, his whole family, his whole household. Uh, He left to the house of Jeroboam not one that breathed until he had destroyed it. So he wiped out Jeroboam's entire family. And it says this was according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. So Ahijah had prophesied this downfall, this judgment against the house of Jeroboam back in chapter 14. Um, And this is now coming to pass here at the end of chapter 16. So, for example, back in chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 7, this is what Ahijah said would happen to Jeroboam. It says, um, Go tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Because I exalted you from among the people and made you leader over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, and yet you have not been like my servant David who kept my commandments and followed me with all his heart, doing only that which was right in my eyes, but you have done evil above all who were before you and have gone and made for yourself other gods and metal images, provoking me to anger and have cast me behind your back. In other words, because of all the good things I've done for you, yet you sinned against me, committed idolatry against me. You weren't like David. You weren't faithful. Here's what I'm going to do. Therefore, behold, I will bring harm upon the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam every male, both bond and free in Israel, and will burn up the house of Jeroboam as a man burns up dung until it is all gone. Anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city, the dog shall eat. And anyone who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat, for the Lord has spoken it. Arise, therefore, go to your house. When, you, when your feet enter the city, the child shall die. This is talking to uh, the wife of Jeroboam who had come to ask the prophet about their son who was sick. And all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave, because in him there is found something pleasing to the Lord, the God of Israel, in the house of Jeroboam. And then this last verse, Moreover, the Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel, who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam today. So, Basha, in other words, is that king that Ahijah spoke about, that the Lord would raise up to cut off the house of Jeroboam. So, Basha is doing what God said would happen. He's carrying out God's judgment against uh, not only Nahab, uh, but more fundamentally against Jeroboam and his household. Right, so um, then verse 30, uh, back in chapter 15, verse 30 says, It was for the sins of Jeroboam that he sinned, and that he made Israel to sin, and because of the anger to which he provoked the Lord, the God of Israel. So um, it, there's nothing explicit there right, about it being judgment against Nadab, though that's probably not wrong to say because Nadab was also committing idolatry, but the judgment, again, fundamentally is against the house of Jeroboam, uh, though Nadab was worthy of it as well because he walked in his father's sins. Um, So, uh, Basha destroys the whole house of Jeroboam. He fulfills the word of the Lord in doing this, but that doesn't mean that Basha was seeking to do God's will. It doesn't necessarily mean that Basha 
was doing the right thing. It doesn't mean that Basha himself is not worthy of judgment. There's a distinction in Scripture that we need to be familiar with in order to understand what's going to happen next. There are people who do God's will because they want to do God's will, and there are people who carry out God's will even though they're really just seeking to do their own will. And so sometimes someone who is seeking to do their own sinful, selfish will ends up carrying out something God wants done. Not because they're seeking to honor God, but God is using them to carry out his will even while they do exactly what they want to do. And um, those people are not exempt from God's judgment. The most extreme case, of course, would be those who carried out the crucifixion of Christ. That was clearly God's plan. God sent his son into the world to die on the cross. Acts 2 and Acts 4 talk about how this was God's predetermined plan. God handed him over. And yet, those who executed Jesus uh, were not doing so under compulsion, and they were not doing so seeking to honor the Lord. They were just doing what they had been told to do, right? In the case of the soldiers, um, or they were doing what they thought was expedient in the case of Pilate, or whatever. Um, They were still guilty. They were still um, held accountable for the sinful things that they had done, even though they were helping to carry out God's plan. That's not what they thought they were doing, but that's what they ended up doing. Uh, Similarly, in the Old Testament, we see the same thing told to us about the king of Assyria. This is going to help us understand what's about to happen to Basha. The king of Assyria came against the nation of Israel. This is what's going to happen later to Israel because of the sin of Jeroboam in in the the ultimate um, judgment on Jeroboam's sin, which is going to come later in 2 Kings. The king of Assyria is going to come against Israel to destroy it. And that is in fulfillment of God's plan, God's judgment that he threatened, that he promised against Israel because of Israel's idolatry. So um, the king of Assyria is carrying out God's judgment, and yet the king of Assyria doesn't know he's doing that. He's just devouring nations, which is what he wants to do. So, for example, Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah 10. It says, Woe to Assyria! The rod of my anger, the staff in their hands, is my fury. Against a godless nation I send him, that's talking about Israel, and against the people of my wrath I command him to take spoil and seize plunder and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. But he does not so intend, and his heart does not so think, but it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off nations, not a few. So the king of Assyria is just wanting to destroy a bunch of nations. He, he wants to build an empire. He wants to be in charge. And yet God calls him, you know, the rod of my anger. He, I'm using him. I'm wielding him to bring judgment against Israel. But he doesn't realize that's what he's doing. He's just uh, a king who's trying to build his empire and conquer a lot of people. So here's what God says about him next. <clears throat> Isaiah 10, starting in verse 12. When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem... He will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. For he says, By the strength of my hand I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I have understanding. I remove the boundaries of peoples and plunder their treasures. Like a bull I bring down those who sit on thrones. 
My hand has found like a nest the wealth of the peoples, and as one who gathers eggs that have been forsaken, so I have gathered all the earth. And there was none that moved a wing or opened the mouth or chirped. So the king of Assyria is boasting about his conquest, and almost in a sense it sounds like how easy it's been for him to conquer the world. And God says, uh, I'm going to punish his arrogant heart, right? He goes on to say, shall the axe boast over him who hews with it, or the saw magnify itself against him who wields it, as if a rod should wield him who lifts it, or as if a staff should lift him who is not wood. In other words, the king of Assyria is a tool in God's hand, and yet the tool is boasting as though it is the one wielding the tool. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to punish the arrogance of the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria is carrying out God's will, carrying out God's judgment against Israel, but is doing it in a sinful, selfish, boastful way. And so the king of Assyria is going to be judged even though he was carrying out God's plan. Again, we have to have that category in our minds to understand some of the things that happened in the Bible, to understand the crucifixion of Jesus fully. We've got to have that category in our mind. To understand what goes on with the king of Assyria, we've got to have that category in our mind. And to understand what's going to happen now to Basha, the king of Israel, we need to have that category in our mind. So here's what happens next. So we wrap up the story of Nadab. It says, now the rest of the acts of Nadab and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? And there was war between Asa, that's the king of Judah, and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. Now, verse 33, here's what happens next. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, Basha, the son of Ahijah, began to reign over all Israel at Tirzah, and he reigned 24 years, a pretty long reign. Uh, He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of Jeroboam and in his sin, which he made Israel to sin. So now, Basha is not any better of a king than Jeroboam was. He's not any better of a king than Nadab was. They both have followed in the sins of Jeroboam, who was the first king over the ten tribes of Israel. So here's what happens now. Verse 1 of chapter 16. And the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Basha, saying, Since I exalted you out of the dust and made you leader over my people Israel... And you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel to sin, provoking me to anger with their sins. Behold, I will utterly sweep away Basha and his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Anyone belonging to Basha who dies in the city, the dog shall eat, and anyone of his who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens shall eat. Now that should sound pretty familiar. Not only... Is Basha going to experience the same judgment that Jeroboam experienced? But we're even told about the judgment he's going to experience in pretty much the same words, the same terms as Jeroboam was told about the judgment that would come on his house. Right? So um, Jehu <clears throat> uh, has the word of the Lord come to him against Basha, and, and, and he pronounces it, right? And, Basha's house is going to be destroyed. Not just Basha himself, but his whole house is going to be destroyed, just like Jeroboam's was. But but notice this. Verse 2 says, Since I exalted you out of the dust and made you leader over my people of Israel, and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel to sin. So I made you king from nothing, and this is how you repay me. That's the same thing that God said to Jeroboam 
through the prophet Ahijah back in chapter 14, verse 7. Go tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you leader over my people Israel, and you know, so on and so on. It's just the same warning, the same threat here, right? This is what I did for you, and yet look how you have repaid me. And then in verse 4 here, it says, Anyone belonging to Basha who dies in the city, the dog shall eat. And anyone who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens shall eat. Same thing is said about Jeroboam's household in 1 Kings 14.11. Anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city, the dog shall eat. And anyone who dies in the open country, uh, the birds of the heavens shall eat. For the Lord has spoken it. So Basha walked in the same sins as Jeroboam, and his household is going to experience the same judgment as Jeroboam. um, So here's how we we wrap up, verses 5 to 7. It says, Now the rest of the acts of Basha and what he did and his might, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Basha slept with his fathers and was buried at Tirzah, and Elah his son reigned in his place. Moreover, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Basha and his house, both because of all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger with the work of his hands in being like the house of Jeroboam, and also because he destroyed it. So this is what we were talking about earlier. This word of judgment comes against Basha and his house. First of all, verse 7 says, because of all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord, uh, provoking him to anger with the work of his hands in being like the house of Jeroboam. In other words, the, ju- the first reason the judgment of God is going to come upon Basha and his whole house is because he sinned like Jeroboam sinned. He's going to experience the same kind of judgment Jeroboam's house experienced because he sinned in the same way. He led the people of Israel into idolatry. That's the first reason. But here's the second reason. And also because he destroyed it. That is, also because he destroyed Jeroboam's house. Wait a minute. Didn't God say Jeroboam's house was going to be destroyed? Wasn't that God's plan? Wasn't that God's judgment that Basha was carrying out? Yes, it was. And yet, why did Basha carry out that judgment against Jeroboam's house? Because he was zealous for the honor of the Lord? Because he wanted to punish the idolaters? No, of course not. He's committing the same kind of idolatry that Jeroboam was. Basha carried out that judgment against Jeroboam's house. that destruction on Jeroboam's house because he wanted to be king and he didn't want any rivals. That's what kings who assassinate people and take over their kingdom, what do they do? They destroy all the people who could make a legitimate claim to the throne. So he wipes out Jeroboam's entire house so that no one will threaten his reign as king. Not because he wants to honor the Lord, not because he wants to do what's right and just and, and you know punish the idolatry that's been going on in Israel. And so because Basha did what God wanted to happen, right, the carry out judgment against Jeroboam, but he did it for his own sinful, selfish reasons, he too is going to be punished for the destruction of the house of Jeroboam, even though he was carrying out God's will in that sense. Again, just like the king of Assyria, and just like those who carried out the crucifixion of Jesus. So that's an important category for us to have in our minds in order to understand the Bible. Not everybody who brings about things that in one sense are good, the judgment of evildoers according to God's will, not everybody who carries out those things does those things for 
righteous reasons. They don't always do them with godly motives. And because of that, God's judgment will come upon them as well. They'll be held accountable for their sin, even if their sin happened to bring about something that God had planned to take place, something that God had purposed to take place. So there's a lot going on there in the story of Nadab and Basha. It's a fascinating story, and it, again, helps us understand part of how God works in the Bible using sinful people to bring about his righteous ends, but still judging those sinful people because they do what God had purposed for sinful reasons. Look forward to seeing you next time.